is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, Executive Director at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Linda Pierce on our show today. Since graduating from the University of Western Ontario in 1985, Linda's career was largely in the marketing field. The marketing world appealed to Linda because of her lifelong wish to one day be associated with a unique product or service that could benefit society. After working in Toronto with some of Canada's largest advertising agencies, Linda moved back home from Halifax, where she gained more experience with companies providing utilities, electric and natural gas, and in the hospitality and newspaper industries. After having established a marketing consulting business, the entrepreneurial spirit in her was awakened. This led Linda to start the Cultured Coconut in 2015, making probiotic coconut milk kefir. Recently, Linda and her company were also named the winners of the Atlantic Regional Scale-Up Pitch Competition at the 2020 Canadian Export Challenge. Welcome to the show, Linda. Hi. Thanks for having me here. We're delighted to have you here, Linda, tuning in from Halifax. (laughs) Great stuff. So what is the one thing that you want our audience to take away from today's conversation, Linda? Well, I would say like in a nutshell, um, if people are uh, female entrepreneurs are considering starting a new business, um, either a product or a service to really look for an unmet need in the marketplace. Mm. Um, so that would allow you to sort of develop an offering that is that is unique. Um, and it would also give you some um, perspective on what other people are doing and how you can differentiate yourself from from that mix. Um, I think that to me is sort of a, a secret for uh, for more likely uh, a successful outcome for sure to to look at that mm-hmm. and the research that would sort of go along with that as well to make sure that um, it's uh, it's well defined. Mm. And speaking of unmet needs, let's talk about the cultured coconut. So why yeah. why did you decide to launch the cultured coconut? What was the need that you identified through your entrepreneur journey? Well, it's interesting because the need actually was my own personal mm. need, um, and I, I certainly didn't expect to start a company when I developed the product. Again, I was lactose intolerant, and uh, I knew that 
kefir was good for you, but um, given my lactose intolerance, I, I couldn't handle the dairy. So I was making my own organic coconut milk as a dairy alternative. And I just got curious. Again, that's the, the you know, the curiosity in me, given my marketing background sort of came out and I asked myself, how do you make kefir? So I just did some research and um, developed this very unique ancestral way of making kefir. And I, I just got curious and I got my materials and started experimenting and I experienced some uh, health improvements myself and I was experimenting so much that I gave away a lot to family and friends and they also experienced health benefits. Mm. So given uh, my background in marketing, a good friend of mine said, you should really start a business doing this because there are a lot of people with uh, GI issues out there. Mm. So, uh, so I crunched the numbers and I did my research and there are a lot of people globally that do have severe uh, GI issues. So off I went uh, and I found a licensed kitchen and uh, hired my big sister and it just uh, grew from there. It's It was pretty unexpected. But again, I, I didn't realize I was making sort of a, a niche product there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, with our analysis that we had done at a bioscience food lab in Cork, Ireland, we, we now know how powerful that uh, that are that probiotic is in terms of uh, a very unique kefir. Interesting. And and I, I can definitely speak for myself that understanding, um, you know, cultured kefir or fermented options, it's, it's not my area of expertise. And I imagine many of our listeners might not know about the benefits or, um, you know, about this type of product. How have you marketed such a specific and, as you say, kind of niche product yeah. and been able to market your business globally? Well, it's very interesting. Again, the thing that's worked for us, which is really uh, unusual, is pretty well by word of mouth has driven our, our organic growth and certainly overseas. Um, uh, and especially with, with COVID, uh, we obviously, like everyone else, we use uh, Instagram and, and Facebook, but we don't do any mass marketing. We don't do any advertising in magazines or uh, you know, we've gotten a few media stories sort of here and there, but it's really just friends and family telling other people. And our target market is by far female, sort of mm-hmm. 25 to 54. So I, I think it's almost one of those things, if something works really well, uh, you know, as women, we love to tell others mm-hmm. because we share the same kind of uh, health challenges and, and issues. So it just uh, spread like wildfire. And and it just started going across Canada and responding to customer emails and retailers expressing their interest. And, and just recently, yeah, since March with COVID, uh, we just started getting all of these requests from overseas and we've shipped to Hong Kong and the UK and France and Portugal. It's really interesting. We get inquiries every, every day from all over the world. Amazing. And I got to learn a little bit about that uh, during our regional Canadian export challenge pitch competition. Um, mm. and, and learning about your global journey, I think is great. And you know, there's so much more global potential that that I know our judges saw um, with the cultured coconut. What hurdles were you faced with in accessing and really thriving in the global marketplace? What did that look like for your business? Well, uh, currently, right now, so we were exporting through uh, sending individual orders out through UPS, mm-hmm. and and the challenge. So our product needs to be refrigerated. Mm-hmm. So so it is kind of challenging in some ways uh, to send out a refrigerated product 
with ice packs and insulated bubble wrap and it's a glass bottle so it needs to be kept chilled and not broken during transit mm -hmm. so so that's that's a challenge um and i know many customers would love to buy it on the ground rather than uh have it shipped to them so so we were we're actually uh looking at putting down roots in the states uh sort of using our by word of mouth approach as well we have a lot of customers in the states mm -hmm. who are putting uh the bug in their their favorite retailer's ear so we're actually now engaging in conversation with with retailers but but we've we've actually figured out a way to be able to to ship larger quantities directly to retail stores down there again using UPS mm -hmm. um and they've given us some favorable uh, rates. So, so some of the challenges of, uh, we sort of figured them out. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, becoming a bit easier mm. with, with increased demand. And interesting. I love this sort of grassroots approach and, and exactly, you know, women and the power of word of mouth is, is definitely, there's exponential possibility there. How do you balance that word of mouth approach and kind of your, your structured marketing background? Has there been any challenge that you've seen different, you know, traditional marketing approaches not f work for you and having to iterate in that space? Yeah, no, it's interesting because again, like my, I started my advertising career after I, mm -hmm. uh, marketing career after I graduated from university. So my first job was in Toronto in 1985 at J. Walter Thompson. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot of like old school advertising, mm -hmm. the TV, radio, billboard, Print. direct mail, mm -hmm. those things. And, uh, you know, here I am, you know, years later and, in. in the new media or social media really is the the driving force. Absolutely. So um, before starting my business, I was I was a user of social media, but I, I never really had a need to to use it for uh, communication purposes. So I've mm -hmm. I've had to learn a lot. Uh, I still have a ways to go, certainly in terms of you know the graphic design of things. But uh, but my my background is communication, so that's very helpful in terms of crafting a message that is going to be really relevant and, and meaningful to that uh, that female audience. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of uh, you know the typical health issues that that have affected them over the five year history of our company, we have a pretty good sense of that. So um, yeah, just crafting those messages. Um, to be really succinct and, and impactful for sure, but mm -hmm. a very different approach today. Social media definitely is is the driver. Mm -hmm. And as you say, you know, you were your first customer, really. So <laughs> really conveying the benefits and and having that customer testimonial from the very beginning from your own experience is a pretty powerful uh, tool to leverage in in your comms. Yeah, it's interesting though because I I actually have never had any serious GI issues mm -hmm. uh, other than just the usual. You know, we all occasionally have, uh, you know, like gas bloating, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have issues with candida and all of the, those things, you know, went away for me. But but uh, as I've learned more and more about serious GI issues like the Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, mm -hmm. like some of them. Oh, wow. Like just constant, you know, pain in the stomach and diarrhea and fatigue and not sleeping well. Like it's mm -hmm. just... Um, yeah, I I just feel my heart goes out to so many uh, women that have to experience this on a daily basis. I just can't imagine. I can't relate to to what that's like. But but we when we do hear feedback from from our customers, it's just so rewarding because mm -hmm. we know that we've made such a difference in their lives. And um, yeah, it's just 
It, it's great. I just I, I'm the only person that does all the social media and responds to emails to retailers and customers. So I I'm the custodian of all of those uh, of all of that feedback. So I just wow. I just love every single day because we do hear from from our customers uh, you know, on a regular basis. So so it's just really heartwarming. And how do you plan, you know, in your, your sort of expansion plans over the next couple of years and scaling this business, keeping mm. this kind of grassroots approach? And, you know, if you're really the, the pulse on the ground talking to different customers, how do you are how are you intentionally planning that growth, keeping that energy and that kind of grassroots approach um, as the foundation of the business or the energy you're trying to put into it? Right. Well, I think so in, in Canada, again, like we started off with hardly any expectations at all. And it just kind of crept across Canada by word of mouth. So so we're actually in over 500 stores right now. Um, wow. So, you know, it, it's the same. I think we're, we're going to use sort of like the same approach as we, we did in, in Canada. Again, the customer really uh, drives uh, activity like if they want to be care if they want us to be carried at the store then they'll go into the retail store and the retail store will call us and then you know there's enough demand there then we will partner with a distributor so we can actually send our product on pallets on on trucks to um, a network of, of retail stores there so again just starting starting really small um, and again, typically we usually have a, a pretty significant impact on, on people's health. So they naturally uh, talk about it and their friends. So there's, you know, I, I think it's going to work the same way that that ground, groundswell of support will just continue to um, to increase and, uh, and more support will be, um, will develop over time. Mm. And, and the other thing, too, that, that's actually worked in our favor as well, which is totally unexpected, but we actually have a lot of uh, medical doctors, mm. uh, GPs, naturopathic doctors, pharmacists. Um, they actually recommend uh, to, their, to their customers or, co- or patients, I should say, that they take our kefir through no effort on my own. Wow. <laughs> like, I, I know I find this out through customers uh, get an email. They're like, oh, hi, my doctor wants me to take this. I'm on disability right now. Can you tell me where the, the most affordable place is uh, to, to buy, you know, uh, in terms of retailers? And I just give them that information. I'm like, I'm always surprised. I'm like, really? Who's your who's your doctor? And, yeah. and where are they from? And it's like, wow. So, yeah, just unexpected support in that area as well. And they went, and we have a lot of registered holistic nutritionists too. Um, and they all have clients. So, so that helps uh, generate more demand on the ground too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's just coming from all different areas and kind of like kind of gelling together oh, and, and sort of moving up to a bigger level. And it just keeps spreading out. It's really fascinating, actually. It is. It really is. You don't usually hear these types of sort of organic success stories and then building out these champion networks organically. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a unique story, which is fantastic, but I think probably speaks to the uh, the quality of the product and what you've built yeah. in the business. And it's interesting, too. Like, I, I know a strategy a lot of companies use are, are brand ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so we actually haven't we haven't actually used that 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 uh that strategy oh, yet because because we you know we have a lot of customers who put, include us in stories and tag us in posts and and whatnot they do that naturally because they just want to let other women know mm-hmm. so it, it's just yeah and I, I i you know share that on our on our instagram and our facebook as well 
Um, but it just happens naturally. They're just, they just have that kind of experience with their brand that they just, they just want to do this on their own accord. Amazing. So talk to us a little bit about the challenges and advantages of both starting and then scaling a business in the Maritimes. I would love to, to hear your experience starting this business out east. Well, I would say, again, because the success of our company was totally unexpected, so we had to kind of, you know, find solutions on the fly. I would say uh, probably our biggest challenge, at least initially, was the distribution system here. So our product needs to be refrigerated. We don't have, um, like, a big distribution company like we do in Ontario. We use a company called John Luca. We use Horizon, and they do our distribution out west, uh, as far as as far east as Manitoba. But here in the Maritimes, um, there there was no one company that would pick up your product from a warehouse and and deliver it to all of our different retailers around the Maritime provinces. So. Mm-hmm. So um, what I did with that, and again, yeah, with our business, it just seems a lot of things just fall into place at the right time. It's mm-hmm. just kind of amazing how it kind of worked out that way. But so I, I uh, met a local producer here, and uh, his name is Ryan. And he, he's, as I say, he's a producer. He makes uh, sprouts, grows sprouts for Sobeys. So his sprouts need to be kept refrigerated, and so he delivers to, to Sobe. So one day, as my sister and I would do all the deliveries, but I, he was coming out one day, and I was going in, and I'm like, hey, Ryan, how's it going? And then I, I saw him walk towards his van, and I'm like, is that your van? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, is that refrigerated? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, how often, how often do you use it? He goes, well, not that often. Like Thursday afternoon, Friday morning, I'm like, Oh, okay. We need to sit down and talk. <laughs> Amazing. So that's it. We we sat down and we carved out the roots, and he does deliveries for us three days a week all around the maritime provinces, and he he visits all of our retail stores. And now, so so not only initially just our product and his, of course, but now he's actually delivering other local producers around the maritime provinces too. So he's widened their distribution channel as well, just by creating that that relationship just between the two of us. So it's turned into this really needed, much needed service in, in the, in the Atlantic provinces for uh, refrigerated delivery. So, wow. yeah, well, I love that. Cause my follow-up question to that is, you know, particularly within our startup communities network, we have seen such movement with grassroots communities, entrepreneurs, supporting entrepreneurs across Nova Scotia, across New Brunswick, PEI, Newfoundland, those entrepreneurship ecosystems. Um, there, there's something really special about the entrepreneurs that, that live there. And this is a perfect story that, that demonstrates that. What yeah. do you think are, are sort of the other challenges or opportunities that entrepreneurs face um, being in the Maritimes and, and the opportunities that they face uh, um, sort of being connected to those communities? That's a good question. I mean, we certainly have a lot of, uh, you know, programs in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we have a COA here, mm-hmm. uh, Atlantic Canada's Opportunity Agency, and then there's NSBI, Nova Scotia Business Incorporated. Um, there's, you know, the Chamber of Commerce. There's uh, the, um, at the at the Mount here, um, the Center for Women in Business. So there, there are actually uh, quite a few support programs in terms of training, um, and they there are some grants available out there as well as well as uh, as as well as funding. So, mm-hmm. in my case, I mean, yeah, there is lots. There are lots, and I know there are other entrepreneurs that have taken advantage of those um, 
those opportunities. In in my case, it uh, things were moving so fast, <laughs> and things were profitable. Luckily, from from day one, mm-hmm. so um, I had sort of tapped into those resources uh, initially, but. Uh, just because the demand was growing so quickly that we uh, weren't able to to take advantage of those opportunities in terms of deadlines and approvals and all that kind of stuff. So we just sort of forged ahead on our own. Um, and we were um, able to to expand sort of, and I, and I think a lot of it had to do with like my marketing experience as well. Mm. So um, that, that certainly helped in terms of logistics and researching and um, just connecting with the right people to sort of help with that that organic growth. But uh, yeah, but just a lot of support systems here that are very worthwhile looking into, definitely. And for those that may not have a marketing background um, and are potentially really struggling with that part of their business, maybe they have a fantastic idea, but they don't know how to share it or communicate mm. it with a wider audience. What would be almost your, your one or two key pieces of advice from a marketing perspective for startups? I might actually, and I've been approached about this like a number of times, but there are a lot of startups, even actually out west in, in Vancouver, um, they've they've called and connected with me just to sort of pick my brain for, mm. for ideas and just share successes and uh, potential pitfalls, that kind of thing. So mm. so that that's really helpful. And I did the same thing too when I started. I connected with some other uh, local entrepreneurs and um in terms of services and costings and, and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, and just ideas to get the the word out. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a really nice – I think we have a really nice sharing history out mm-hmm. in the maritime provinces here. We're sort of out Great. there, like, you know, on the – in our Atlantic bubble right now. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So, uh, literally, <laughs> literally, exactly. So that's why no one's leaving here. No one wants to, to go out and come back in and self isolate for 14 days. Yes. So we're kind of all together here, one big family. So, uh, so yeah, we do have sort of a, a regional flavor and support system here. That's, uh, that's kind of neat. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. And when you think back on your entrepreneurial journey uh, since the beginning and, and all of these successes that you had, are there any, um, I don't like using the word regrets, but anything that you wish you had done differently or information that you wish you had had at a particular juncture that could have saved you a, a headache or two? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> well, I think, and again, like in, in our case, like your business just grew so quickly. Yeah. Um, uh, it would have been if I had more time, it would have been good to, to, you know, make those submissions to a co and, and get, uh, you know, funding matching for some of our big equipment that we bought for our facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, we did actually, we got a bank loan actually from Scotiabank. Mm-hmm. Um, originally it was BDC, but then they said, well, um, you know, you're, I scaled up after two years from our licensed kitchen and BDC said, yeah, I think actually you'd be, you'd be better off with Scotiabank. They have mm. good rates and everything. So he introduced me to my current commercial representative. Um, so, so that was, uh, you know, a pretty, it was, it was a thorough exercise, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But, but it worked out for sure. But if I had had, um, if things hadn't moved so quickly in my business, like I, it would have been nice to tap into those, those uh, government grants. But but there are 
timelines associated with those things. So yeah, looking back, if I if I could see that we were going to be growing as quickly as we have, then I, I probably would have planned a little bit better to take advantage of those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there, there are a lot of them out there. There are. And, and hindsight, obviously, being being 2020, and you were on the good end of, 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 of you know, immense growth and all of the benefits that came with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but incredible to see, you know, the traction that you got so early and, um, you know, using specific resources that you really needed at particular junctures. You know, if you didn't need to tap into um, the ACOAs and, and other groups, then that leaves, you know, space for other entrepreneurs and, and great opportunities here that we can share with our Thrive Podcast listeners. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, like, in their situation, too, like, the, the capital investment to start my company mm-hmm. was really low mm-hmm. so there, it was very low risk for sure because I, I just rented a licensed kitchen right so there was no contract to sign so I just paid by the hour depending on demand and obviously as the demand went up we used the kitchen more often and then we were able to, to lock into time but really um you know, gas money, <laughs> like mm-hmm. delivering our, our, our finished product, buying bottles, buying our, our coconut butter, which we use to make our coconut milk. Mm-hmm. Um, those were upfront costs, but they could easily go on a credit card. So really like the the, the cost of entry was really advantageous. So it, mm-hmm. as a result, uh, the risk was really low. And, and I certainly appreciate other business, businesses. It's, it's very different, mm-hmm. but it is, uh, it, it is more risky for sure, depending on the investment you have to make up front. Of course. Um, yeah. But great to hear different perspectives. You know, I think a, a traditional story that we always hear is, you know, high risk, high reward and, and go mm. big and all of that language that, that comes to entrepreneurs. But, you know, there are a lot of opportunities that you can tap into that you're, you're bootstrapping with a low risk investment in, you know, a handful of different areas and seeing tremendous growth from that. Um, then yeah. you can use that capital to reinvest it back into your business. Exactly. And it's interesting, too. Uh, so over the years, actually, we've been approached about uh, uh people wanted to invest in our company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm incorporated. I'm the only shareholder. And I've always been of the mind that I, I wanted to manage the growth carefully mm-hmm. and not to get ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And everyone on my team is of the same mind. Like we all want to like sleep well at night mm-hmm. <laughs> and not worry too much about it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's, that's sort of an approach. I am sure like if, if we had accepted, um, you know, investments from other companies and whatnot, we probably no doubt would be be further ahead for sure. Um, but it's just for us personally, we just want to keep it sort of small and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, just going at our own pace that we're mm-hmm. all comfortable with. And I, I love myself. I have a great, I have a fantastic general manager who has wonderful experience again he our paths crossed again at the right time at the right place mm. and uh he's made all the difference uh to the success of our business we're in a very very good spot right now Amazing. so next year is going to be i think like our big really big breakout year Oh, well, we'll Mm. be along and and following through on the journey. And I think that's such a great message, Linda, that, um, you know, not every business needs to turn into this multi-billion dollar huge, you know, enterprise, that success looks very different for different entrepreneurs. And and clearly you've had um, a tremendous success, but on your own terms, I think, and controlling what that looks like is really powerful. And and especially for women entrepreneurs, you can take that ownership, uh, especially with the way that you build your business to scale it at the pace at which works for you and, um, you know, not 
feeling the pressures externally if that's not actually what you want. So I think that's actually a very helpful um, tip to, to provide to our listeners today. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And a, and a lot of people ask me, what's your exit strategy? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. How much did you sell the company for? And and I, I personally can't see myself selling the company. Yeah. I mean, I still have to, like, figure the details out. But, but again, my general manager, who is um, – who's really good, like he's incredibly competent, you know, I could see him perhaps down the road taking some sort of ownership stake in the company. Um, and who knows? I mean, maybe we get really big and, and we have a lot of employees and then, you know, I could see an employee, uh, you know, profit sharing program. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the legacy. But, but uh, yeah, I definitely see our, our brand being around for an awfully long time. So, well, I'll do whatever I can to make that happen for sure. That's that's my my goal. Amazing. And so, Linda, any final piece of advice that you can provide to our listeners today um, that they can implement directly into their businesses after listening to today's episode? Well, uh, maybe just from a philosophical perspective, maybe just to really whatever your business idea is, to really believe in it, mm. um, to have that that faith and in, in it should draw on, you know, your experience and your passion and, um, you know, the difference that you might want to make in, in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, not everyone is driven by that, but, but feeling as though you're making a difference in the world um, is something that drives me and, and my staff as well. Like we just, that just means a lot to us. And it's, and it's, that means more than than making money. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we have to make money to keep the lights on and to build um, equity in the company for future growth. But really making a difference in people's lives is just like the best feeling in the world. And that's, that's pretty bottom line for us. So we really believe in what we do. And that that shows in, in our decisions every single day, we put our heart and soul into this. Amazing. That resonates very, very deeply with me too, Linda. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And thanks for, for providing your entrepreneurial journey, um, insights and great tips for women entrepreneurs within our network. Um, thanks again for joining us on the Thrive Podcast today. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook Resources for Women Entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. Visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rick Spence and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to thrive.